This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Colby Garman and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planning Podcast. My name is Clint Clifton, and I'm with Colby Garman. Uh, yeah, hi, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about a really fun subject of learning from our kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, uh, I don't know if your kids are old enough to be learned from yet. That might be a little hard, yeah. but uh, man, as your kids get older, you start to learn some things about not just them, but because of them, you right. start learning things that you wouldn't have learned otherwise. Right. And it's not just like about being a parent, but about life in general, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. yeah Especially I, if they get, I would say the kids, they have an advantage. They get a combo of you and your wife. Yeah. And that can work out in really good ways for them. Mm. And the kids that are younger get the advantage of learning from their older siblings and vice versa. Yeah. Probably too. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, when you get married, if you have a good premarital counselor that will tell you marriage isn't intended to make you happy, it's intended to make you holy. This is about a process right. of you growing in sanctification, all those things. But man, parenting is so much like that too. Absolutely. Um, and uh, so anything come to mind? Anything that you can think of that you've learned from your kids? If you don't have anything, I can start for sure. Um, well, get started. I'm processing. A bit. Yeah. Um, so my oldest right now is 19. Yeah. And he um, he's, uh, yeah, just in the last couple of years particularly, he's uh, become a Christian. He's started yeah. walking with the Lord. He wasn't, you know, rebellious before, but he um, he sort of came alive in Christ in the last few years. And, um, watching his spiritual life mature, um, there are some, you know, he has a, he has a good combination of my wife's personality, which is very cautious, reserved, um, um, disciplined, yeah. my wife's yeah. category. And then I'm loyal. Uh, loyal. Yeah. Loyal. loyal would be her number one yeah. descriptor probably. Yeah. And then on my side, it would be like whimsical fly by seat of my pants, you know, overconfidence in myself and my intuitions yeah. and those sorts of things. And, um, and Noah is a great, you know, version of the combination of those two things. He has a measure of boldness, but he also is careful. Um, and, uh, so watching him operate, uh, I actually think like, man, he has more wisdom than I do. And sometimes, sometimes in the way he operates. So I've learned a lot about, um, patience from, from my son, Noah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I've learned, and I would say this is from both my older two kids, um, they, they both in terms of like motivating people and even influencing other people around them, they, they're very attuned and concerned about helping motivate people from like internal Mm -hmm. reasons. Like they, they want people to like have a real sincere desire to do things. Yeah. Part of that probably is because I'm a natural challenger. Mm -hmm. And so a little bit of their reaction to me being a challenger and their mom is too, you know, my wife, like both of us, the one thing we share a lot is we want to, we want to see people stretch outside their comfort zone. We've seen lots of people grow because of that. And so we've yeah. naturally done that with our kids, but they've also taught us back like how important it is to For think somebody. about like what's going on inside in terms of how to motivate from like a more inward place. Yeah. No, that's super good. Like if you cultivate in the heart of your child, a desire 
yeah. not an action, then you often get the right result. Yeah. Um, is my experience. Like, yeah. Just it takes a, but the cultivation of the desire, it t- is a, a long game. Yeah. You know, very often. So. So both of them, I would say, take. They're more inclined to take more time to understand first what mm-hmm. somebody's uh, aversion is to something yeah. or whatever, and have a, a listening posture mm-hmm. first about that um, than like maybe Annie or myself. And so we've learned that from them for sure yeah. and, and are still learning that. You know, it's not just our physical children that we learn from. Um, Pillar Dumfries has a long list of lessons we've learned from our um, church children. By God's grace, we have a lot of kids. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, Exciting again. And one of the exciting things that happened this past week is we published on Facebook our family tree again yeah. um people have been commenting on it lots of lots yeah. of warm comments about we even it. left off one of our kids which yeah we like, left uh, one of them off and jokingly feels called, very on brand yeah that's exactly <laughs> what we would do yes uh we left one off and then several of the church planners messaged me and said hey you got the dates wrong or whatever you know yeah. so um we're gonna we don't know birthdays and stuff that. like that and i actually realized um we left off some great grandchildren too you know i mean so well that's a, a fun little side note like yeah. when you're planting and other people are planting Planting churches that when your churches that you plant plant churches and yeah. those churches plant churches, Gets you start to out. feel a little like um, sensitive to whether any somebody wants to be named included as a part in the of family. It. I'm, sort of, I'm always like, I don't want to, I don't want to wrongly claim we yeah. planted a church or when I didn't have anything you know, to do with that. From our yeah. family tree and somebody yeah. who's like primarily involved in it's like I have no idea who those people are. Yeah, don't care. Yeah. yeah. Well. So in in this situation, we have learned lots of things from. I, I could basically go through each church and say, yeah. "This is what we learned from that church." This is yeah, what we learned. Yeah. Um, in fact, we have in our church planner training material now we have um, a list of um, commitments and a list of expectations, yeah. and that that gets added to as we have experiences <laughs> because yeah. almost every li- expectation and commitment in there has to do with a situation that we didn't see coming. Yeah, that, that, you know created some kind of problem yeah and now when when i get together or we get together with our church planners actually the thing i most want to do mm-hmm. is learn from them right i want to spend time like i want to learn what they're doing yep. i feel like it pushes us a lot to not lose sight of kind of the the strategic mo on the ground that yep. needs to be a part of our ethos and and so uh, Jared Huntley yeah. uh, has really done an incredible job creating a culture of evangelism mm-hmm. at Pillar DC, and we're going to talk about that in the interview. Yep. Um, but uh, it's it's been amazing to see that, and I feel like you know for us, uh, I you know I'm wanting to get inside and and really understand how to take what he's doing and transfer that. I mean, we've had him down here and do some evangelism yeah. seminars and just trying to bring that culture uh, that he's built into the yeah. church. We've always cared about evangelism. He has a way, and this is probably a good note for like the difference. We've cared about it and we've done some things and yeah. we've made efforts and all that, but he's like structurally, strategically, personally, like made it the bedrock of the church. Yeah. He has made it the bedrock, but he's also baked it into the calendar and the rhythm of the church's life. They have regular weekly events that are evangelism events. Yeah. And the regular practice of doing that thing over and over, it's like the, it's like the regular practice of having a prayer meeting or, you know, it's just part of the fabric of the church. Yeah. And, um, you know, that feels, 
it's so hard to get to a place where the church accepts that and finds that warm. And he, he even talks about in the interview how, when they first started doing it, um, there were, you know, there was just a few people showing up. There's a lot of resistance, but now they've got, every time they go out, they match a mature person up with a a person who doesn't have much experience. And now that batch of mature people they have is like 20 plus folks, you know, that know how to do it. Feel comfortable doing what they're doing. And I just think like, we all want that. We would all love that to be the case, but the way you get to that is by years of uncomfortable conversations, awkward conversations, yeah. difficult uh, events that some few people show up to, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so the, we've learned a lot from Jared Huntley yeah. and um, pillar DC in this, in this regard. Yeah. I'm excited for everybody to hear this interview and, uh, you know, get ready to, to take some notes and think about ways that you can practically begin to exercise some of the things Jared recommends. Yeah. One thing too, because it's the church planning podcast and we talk about church planning, uh, uh, incessantly here, I, I, it feels important to note about Jared. You may recognize Jared's name. He, for a long time, had a podcast called, uh, in the in trenches. The trenches. Yeah. Uh, they're not doing that now, but he is, you'll, you'll notice on here is an experienced podcaster. He handles himself well on microphone. And, yeah. um, one of the things that, um, one of the things to note about Jared is that I think of him as what I kind of coin as a linear planter you know he has very much been a person who sort of left school and seminary went and planted a church in canada came here planted a church and i wouldn't be surprised if in the future he goes and plants a church again Um, now each church he plants he suspects that he wants to bake into the dna of that church he's starting residencies and training guys and doing all that stuff yeah but he wants to leave a series of self-propagating multiplying yeah. churches yeah. and use his life to go from place to place. I don't know if he'll always do that, but at least at this stage yeah. in his life, they've been like that. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you're, you're kind of thinking large and conceptual, how am I going to multiply churches with my life? How am I going to use my life to multiply churches? You've got the option of going one place and sort of a hub model and just pouring yeah. your life into that place. Making that a multiplying church. That's sort of what yeah. we've tried to do here at Pillar yep. Dumfries. And, um, or, you know, just yourself being a missionary and going certain, yeah. start multiple inside things. our Praetorian project, we've sort of seen both versions mm-hmm. of that work well, which yeah. is kind of fun. I mean, uh, yeah. if you take like Jared and John, Ransom, John Ransom, yeah. you know, they've kind of done this and, yeah. and it's just kind of in them to, yeah. to do that. And yeah. There's a, the, you know, call it wanderlust, call yeah. it whatever. There's a, there's a, a apostolic, you know, yeah. kind of impulse. Right. There are just some Christians that are particularly good at getting thing, new things started. Yeah. And when they find themselves at home in church planting, every time the church gets stabilized, they get unhappy. Right. That's, I mean, just yeah. the way that God wires us up. But like, and you know, actually, potentially people that are wired up that way start breaking things around their yes, church. Yes. Like things that they, that are needed for the future stability mm-hmm. of the church. It's, it's why I think it's important to recognize these giftings, right? Yep. Like somebody that stays, if they... If they aren't able to make that transition or just, man, the, their passion really is wrapped around that early um, sort of, uh, I think about Marine Corps, what's the terminology they use? Uh, expeditionary kind yeah. of mindset. Yeah. You know, if they if that's where they're at, it's they'll start doing that, <laughs> you know, break, start over, yeah. you know, and yeah. create a lot of disruption. And so it's right. best to channel that energy into more church planning. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast of those who listen regularly, but, but one of the key decisions in the life of Pillar Dumfries was bringing Colby onto the staff at Pillar Dumfries when, um, it was clear that I, I was doing that. I had that like, uh, you know, pattern that was 
detrimental to the church and you know, I was doing that thing to the church and it wasn't bad. It was my, it was my nature. It was kind of what I yeah. was wired to do, what God made me to do. Right. And then when I shifted into a gear where I was able to perpetually start things and ne- didn't have to maintain things right. necessarily, <laughs> and there was somebody else coming and cultivating, uh, that that's when things really got good. And it was like almost a sigh of relief for the congregants who, yeah. who were here, you know? So, uh, that's anyway, good. you may see yourself. I mean, I get calls from people periodically that, that are, they planted a church and then they, they're two or three, four years into it and they just are frustrated. Yeah. Uh, they want to, they don't know how to deal with their it's frustration. It's generally going fine. Like yeah, a lot it's of usually it's, going it's great. Like yeah. The, they just aren't. It's fine. actually the going great that makes them frustrated. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's when things don't feel haywire anymore, they don't feel at home anymore, you know? Um, so anyway, you may be listening to this and say, oh, that resonates with me. I needed to hear that. That's that's me. And you may hear that and say, I can't even comprehend what you're talking yeah. about. And that's probably the difference in you being on the APE side of the APES scale or yeah. on the shepherd teacher end of the APES scale. Yeah. Um, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, evangelists shepherds, teachers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to listen to this fantastic interview with Jared Huntley, one of our um, church planners here at Pillar Church of Dumfries. And we're going to do that right after we hear a little bit from one of our sponsors. Hey, church planters, your calling is to plant a church, but churches are also a business. Auxilio partners with you to provide one-time and ongoing business services, enabling you to stay focused on mission. Visit Auxilio Partners to learn more about the finances, HR, and legal compliance services offered and schedule a free consultation. That's A-U-X-I-L-I-O dot partners. Mention the Church Planting Podcast to receive a 20% discount. Hey, Jared Huntley. Welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. Thanks, Clint. Good to be here. You know, I don't uh, very often have another podcaster on my podcast, so this is exciting. Yeah, yeah, former podcaster, I guess. Oh, a former podcaster? Oh, don't say it, Jared. It's not true. You'll come back. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll start another one at some point, but uh, yeah, biggest uh, run, of course. <laughs> well, well, uh, for whatever it's worth, the uh, time of in the trenches that uh, I listened to was pretty helpful, and so thank, thankful for that investment. Yeah, man, we got a lot of good content online now, so it still can be a blessing to people. So we uh, we enjoyed it while we did it. It was really, really a lot of fun. So yeah, well, you could have the same experience I did, which was I did the podcast for a little while and then realized didn't think anybody was listening to it, and they weren't listening to it actually. And then uh, I left it alone for like a year, and then all of a sudden I started getting these notifications from uh, Google, the analytics saying that you know there was more people listening. And then, um, so maybe that'll happen. Maybe down the road, somebody will, will pick up on it. So I'll still every now and then get emails. We, we haven't done one in like six months, I think. And I'll mm. still get emails or, you know, messages from people uh, listening to it. So yeah, but it's, it's good to have it out there. I feel like I said everything that I had to say about yeah. church playing. We did 80 episodes and I was like, you know what? I don't think I have anything <laughs> else to say right now. I'll just start repeating myself. So yeah, You're kind of like Forrest, like I was running and then I stopped. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Uh, well, Jared, um, man, uh, our, I feel the need to sort of recap our relationship a little bit, just so people understand. So um, Jared and I are uh, have a mutual friend in Matt Hess. And uh, tell like the 30 second version of your relationship with Matt Hess. 
Yeah, so I'm from Texas. My wife and I moved to Canada to plant a church called Fellowship Oshawa, and we uh, did so under the tutelage of Matt Hess. He started, uh, he's a church planner up there, started the Fellowships Network. And so I went and I did my church planning apprenticeship with him. And then uh, we were sent out of his church, Fellowship Pickering, to plant our church uh, there in the greater Toronto area. So mm-hmm. he's yeah. like my mentor, my one of my best friends. So yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's an incredible um, church planter and working really hard in Canada. Uh, uh, also a very funny man. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's got a lot of great sense of humor. So anyway, uh, we were in this situation where Pillar DC, uh, a church plant that my church had begun a few years earlier, had uh, their original planter had, had left and moved on to a different project. And, uh, and we were in need of somebody there and the church was uh, struggling. And so we really needed uh, some, somebody to come in and take it, um, take it and breathe some new energy into it. And uh, I was serving as an interim pastor. They're a very poor interim pastor, I might add, uh, because I I didn't have a lot of time to dedicate to it, but I really had a lot of passion to see it continue on. And so I had jumped in, my family and I were doing that for like a year. And DC is, although it's close geographically, it's sort of far away from where I live uh, and a lot culturally for sure. And, um, and there's a lot of traffic between me and DC. So people ask how far do you live from DC? I say uh, one to three hours, depending <laughs> yeah. on traffic, you know, uh, you know, it's all, it's all contingent upon traffic. But um, so we went up there and, and participated on Sunday morning, you know, found a new meeting location. And then in a strange turn of events, uh, McLean Bible Church had a campus down there that they uh, started talking to me about mer- merging with um, Pillar DC. And so it was a it was a strange setup, but uh, we ended up merging um, uh, a campus from McLean Bible Church that had been accustomed to video preaching from David Platt uh, to um, and Pillar DC, which was a small, uh, scrappy little church plant with some really committed people, but it was scrappy. And, um, and those two things came together while I was leading. And then uh, pretty soon after that, I think we, you had already sort of been identified as the person by that point. You just weren't quite here yet or somewhere in that mix of time. Something like that. Yeah. And so you, uh, you came in that summer. Was that two years ago now? Yeah. July of 2019 is when I moved here. Yeah. Just, just get settled in real good before COVID hit. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So you came and, uh, and so just to give us a little overview of what's happened since you've been in DC. Yeah. So I, we literally started doing like core team meetings. Uh, I started leading them remotely from Canada in May of 2019 mm. and we got on the ground and I, I made a couple trips back and forth. Um, and then, uh, got here in July and then we launched in September of 2019. We officially covenanted together as a new church moved, you know, transition to, uh, you know, meeting in person, life preaching, all that stuff. Um, and, uh, then we, you know, several months after that, we, you know, finally got into the building, you know, the school that we had been praying to get into in the first week into January. And it was a big answer to prayer and we had momentum, we were going and like, all right, this is awesome. And then we were in there for 10 weeks and then COVID hit and everything just grinded to a, a halt. Um, and that was our last Sunday at that school that we had prayed for so long to get into. We only spent 10 Sundays there, um, and we're still not back and I don't think we're going to go back. Um, and so, yeah, we've been in kind of pandemic season since then everybody has, but man, God has been super gracious to us. It's actually been a really incredible, uh, I think thing overall for our church. Uh, we've grown, we've doubled in size, uh, in 18 months since our launch, even with the pandemic, 
Uh, we've baptized 17 new believers now. Uh, so, I mean, I say that to say God's still been at work. And I mean, we're not doing like big events. Nobody's doing big events. Like nobody's right. doing anything like that. Uh, we're not marketing. We're not doing any of that stuff. Um, we've just been equipping our people to share the gospel and going out and doing it, just sticking to the basics. And um, God is giving growth um, by his grace and we're seeing fruit. Um, so not not trying to paint like this perfectly rosy picture, like everything's amazing. There've been a lot of challenges, but I think overall uh, we've been super encouraged. So, yeah, well that you, you bring up in that, in your comments, there, really what I wanted to talk to you about today, which is your intense focus on, uh, on personal evangelism and helping your members uh, be personal evangelists themselves. And it, you know, it's funny to say intense focus, because actually, like in a big scheme of things, you're probably not too intense about it. But compared to other church planners that I work with, you you are, you're definitely one of those guys that's on the top of the heap in terms of the way that you uh, uh, focus on keep uh, your uh, energy, momentum, attention of your members on personal evangelism. So first of all, let's just like look into your ha- your past to s- where did that come from? Where did that intense focus on personal evangelism in your life as an individual come from? Who do you attribute that to? How did God birth that in you? Um, well, there's a, there's a moment where that sticks out in my mind where when I, uh, it was probably about 2012 or something, and I was beginning to, to sense a call to be a church planter. Uh, I knew I wanted to be a missionary and, and to help start new churches. And so I actually was doing kind of, I don't even remember back, back then Nam had a, like a pre-assessment kind of a thing you could do. And so I was looking into the North American mission board and I did this online kind of pre-assessment. And one of the questions that they asked, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of, you know, how many people have you led to Christ over the past 12 months outside of the church? Uh, and then there was another one, like how, you know, uh, who are you discipling, you know, uh, that, you know, outside of the church, like somebody you met outside of just, they walked into your church and I was a youth pastor at the time. And I realized as I was taking this pre-assessment, like, I don't know, like anyone outside the church, like the Mm -hmm. only lost people I talked to would be people who come into walk through the doors of the church. And I kind of struck me, I'm not really living my life on mission and, if I'm not doing this here, what makes me think I'm going to be able to do it in a place like Canada? Um, and I just kind of, as I was reading through the book of Acts, it just, you know, intuitively saw that that's what church planting is. It's being a missionary. And the, what missionaries do is they share the gospel with people. And then when people respond to the gospel as new disciples, they gather these new disciples together into new churches. And that's literally what we do. And so if I'm not doing that, then what makes me think I can be a church planter? So that really instilled in me a conviction to begin to share the gospel. And so I started doing it. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. Um, yeah. So, so you, you, let me kind of recap what I think you're saying. You're saying that you had at first a desire to be a church planter. And then when you're going through the preparation process, you realize that you're not going to be a very good church planter if you're not ferocious about evangelism. And that is what God used to catalyze you to become passionate about evangelism. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's kind of a crazy story that, that, uh, that you know, you, you would think that it would come the other way, you know, that it would be a passion for evangelism that would result in a desire to plant a church. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and I wanted to, I, I had a desire to see lost people saved, you know, yeah. I, I wanted to do that. I, I just, you know, uh, coming from Texas, you know, the, you know, it's a church culture, you're, you're just kind of wired to think, well, you know, we got to get people in the door. And if we get as many people to come into our church as we can, then we'll share the gospel with them. 
And, you know, I quickly realized that you're not going to reach most people that way. Uh, most people, especially in a context like Canada, they're not coming to your church. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what you do or how cool your events are, how great your worship music is. They're not coming. So we've got to take the gospel to them. Um, and, and, I, and I also saw that pattern in the New Testament. I saw that in the book of Acts uh, very clearly. And so I just realized, well, that's what I need to do. Um, so. Well, um, so I didn't. I, I think your time in Canada, I would suspect, really reinforced that uh, that yeah. passion. Yeah. T tell me in what ways it did that. Yeah. Well, Matt has, first of all, had a huge impact on me. Matt has mo always modeled that for me, encouraged me in it. Um, I watched him do it. Um, you know, we, you know, he led from the front and he's just got a, a genuine compassion and love for the lost and a mm -hmm. love for the Lord. And that comes out. Matt's, Matt's a much more natural evangelist than I am actually. Mm -hmm. It's Matt's the kind of guy who just strikes up conversations in line with people at the coffee shop and it's like, Hey, you know, and just starts chatting their ear off. And I'm the type of guy that tends to want nobody to, you know, like, I just wanted to like do my own thing and I don't yeah. want to, you know, get into awkward conversations in public. So evangelism is much more of a discipline for me, uh, which is why I think it's funny that like you, you know, every time you'll mention me to somebody else, when I'm around, I'll hear you talk about me and evangelism. And I just, I laugh to myself because I don't think of myself as a bold evangelist at all. Um, yeah. I, I honestly, it's, uh, it's very uncomfortable for me in a lot of ways. I've just uh, disciplined myself to do it. I think over the years, and I, I, it's a joy to do it. I love to do it, but it's still scary yeah. uh, for me to this day. Um, yeah. You know, that that's consistent with my observation about you is that, um, and I think that's why I like to focus on you as an evangelist when I'm talking to other people, because um, to me, one of the most obvious features about you is your discipline to do what you perceive to be the will of the Lord. And, um, and, you know, most of us, I, I, Randy Newman talks about this. There's a great podcast, uh, you know, if you back up 50 podcasts or so on here uh, with Randy Newman, where he's talking about personal evangelism and he, he, he deems himself a, an evangelistic chicken. And I love that because um, I, I am, a, I'm a little bit more like Matt. I'm sort of love to have conversations. I, I feel comfortable in awkwardness. Uh, matter of fact, this last week, my kids sent me a picture in our family group text that said uh, I came uh, I saw, I made it awkward. <laughs> you know, that was like, the, they thought that was me. And so they, they sent that <laughs> to me. And uh, like, I, I, I feel most comfortable in like strange and awkward situations. And, uh, but um, not everybody's like that. You're certainly not like that. And you're a bit introverted. So the fact that, that you focus so much on this as a discipline, uh, as an act of worship and love for the Lord, I feel like is the thing that makes you a great example of evangelism as a church planter. Um, so yeah, I mean, what, what are, what are some of the, uh, I mean, talk to the person who's, who's more like you and they wouldn't say I'm gifted as an evangelist. Um, uh, tell them, tell them some of what you preach to yourself to help your, your mind and heart get around the idea of doing this in a consistent way. Sure. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest myths I think out there, uh, is that you need to, you know, you need to have the gift of evangelism to do evangelism. Um, I, I think I heard that growing up in the church a lot. And, uh, I think it's an excuse oftentimes that we hide behind, but the reality is, is that, um, you know, it's just not the case. I mean, the very definition of a disciple is to be a fisher of men. Mm -hmm. You see that, you know, in Matthew 4, 18 and 19, when Jesus invited, you know, Peter and Andrew 
to follow him. He said, follow me and I'll teach you to become fishers of men. That's how mm-hmm. he kind of, the one phrase Jesus could use to summarize, this is what you, this is what it's going to be like. This is what your life is going to look like to follow me is mm-hmm. to be a fisher of men. So if we're not doing that, how can we say that we're following Jesus? Mm. So I think that's the first thing is, is recognizing that that's literally what it means to be a disciple. It's not an option. Um, and especially if we're church planters, like my goodness, like, like <laughs> what if all, you know, if all of our days are spent like planning events and writing sermons and editing our website and posting on social media, it's not that those things aren't good to do, but if that's what all of our time is being taken up doing and we're, you know, like here and there occasionally sharing the gospel, maybe once or twice a month, then we're probably not planting a church. You're probably planting a worship service. Yeah. You're not planting a church. So yeah, man, that's, that's, that's so true. And uh, you know, that thing you said uh, going back to the sort of NAM assessment, the questions about personal evangelism on the NAM assessment. um, It's pretty common for me to get to an actual assessment or some pre-assessment documents with a planter and for them to say uh, they've never, been a part of seeing somebody personally come to faith in Christ. And on one level, it's, you know, obviously we're not responsible for the fruit. We're responsible for the effort uh, and the sharing, but it's a little hard to imagine somebody in North America that consistently shared the gospel over the course of their Christian life and uh, attempted to sort of draw the net and help people come to faith and and never had seen anybody come to faith. Um, So yeah, there are, there are a fair number of folks out there aspiring to plant churches that really don't have any kind of success in evangelism or fruitfulness in evangelism in their lives. And so, uh, yeah, it's my, it's my experience that those, those folks that aren't, uh, aren't accustomed to and working hard at evangelizing the lost, their, their, their only way to gather people is to, to find, you know, existing Christians from other churches. And, you know, and we all got into this to, to reach the lost, not, not to rearrange Christians. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, I think, it's the more seed you sow, the more time, the more you share the gospel, the, the higher the likelihood that you're going to see fruit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it really is, you know, you know, we plant and, and water and it's God that gives the growth. Uh, but if we only, you know, sow one gospel seed, you know, a month, it's just, I mean, it's just a numbers thing, honestly, like that right. makes it less likely you're going to see less fruit. The more you share the gospel, the more evangelistic your congregation is, the more stories you're going to have to tell, the more baptisms you're going to see, the more you're going to see God work in powerful ways. I mean, you know, one of the things that I think we need to remember too, like we, I think we have a desire to see God do things like we see him do in the book of Acts, right? Like we want, we long for that, but God gave in Acts one and two, we see clearly taught that God gave the gift of the Holy spirit to empower us to be his witnesses. Wow! Like if we're not doing that work, then, then why, you know, what's the point of being empowered by the Holy spirit? Um, that's why God has gifted us with that gift. So we need to be being witnesses. That's what we need to do. That's what God's empowered the church to do. Yeah, man, that's so good. Um, so let's, let's turn our attention to, uh, assuming the church planter has this under control of his own life and, and he's a personal evangelist. There's then this extra huge problem 
that I have all these people in my church that are evangelistic chickens or they're, they just have no experience, excitement, fervor for personal evangelism. Um, personal evangelism is nauseating to most American Christians, you know, to just think about it or hear that the sermon is going to be about is laden with guilt. And uh, so I've noticed that the culture of Pillar DC in my interactions with you, you guys and the people there is not that at all. The people have a very positive demeanor toward personal evangelism and it's in the conversation almost always. That's in your calendar, your rhythm of your calendar. And it's just in a lot of ways, it's hard to interact with somebody from Pillar DC. I'm, I'm, we're in the same little family of churches, right? My, my church is called Pillar too. Uh, and, and we interact with members from Pillar DC and regularly on their tongues is something about the personal evangelistic effort of the church and of them as individuals. How, how did you get there from a cultural standpoint, instruct the guy who is leading a church plant, but just doesn't, it hasn't been able to, to do that. Yeah, for sure. So got like five little points I'll kind of mention here on this as I was kind of thinking through. And I've actually, it's funny, we did a, I, I thought back and we did an episode on this on my podcast yeah. uh, called how to create a culture of evangelism in your church. Cause this is mm-hmm. something that I've thought a lot about. Yeah. Um, and I think it starts with what we were just talking about. You've got to do it when no one else is looking, mm-hmm. AKA you need to model it. It needs to be a regular part of the rhythm of your life. Um, I, you know, yeah, you should be doing it on the go, but you should also, you should also be building personal evangelism into your calendar. So like my wife and I, we try at least once a week, her and I to just go out and intentionally share the gospel for an hour, whether it's mm-hmm. our neighbors going to the park or whether it's like going to, going, uh, to, to into DC and just walking around and walking up and asking people if we can pray for them. And, and uh, just as kind of a, a feeler to see if people are open to a spiritual conversation so we can share the gospel. Um, you need to be doing that on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. And then secondly, uh, you need to, you need to take your disciples with you uh, and do it. That's probably the most important one is like you you've got to supplement your, your teaching with also modeling. And we see Jesus do this all throughout uh, his ministry with his disciples. He's teaching them from the hillside often, but then he's taking them with him as he's doing ministry. He's modeling it for them. And he's, then he's giving them opportunities to participate. So what we do is we take our disciples with us. I'll say, Hey, come with me. Uh, Like there's a guy I'm, a discipling who wants to be a church planner. And so one of the things that I've been doing with him is we'll meet up uh, some, but then I try every other time we meet, instead of just sitting around, a, you know, a table at a coffee shop, we go out and we go share the gospel together. And, you know, I'll share once and then I'll go, okay, it's your turn. And I'll be there with him, you know, to kind of help him. But uh, I just want to model that for him. Um, we do, uh, I think the third thing is just to make space for it in your, your church calendar. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the previous point. Uh, we do something called gospel and grub that uh, this actually came f- out of the pandemic uh, because once our entire calendar got wiped out by COVID, we were like, well, you know, what are we going to do to reach people? And so we just started, just decided we're going to start going out to, uh, to Old Town Alexandria at the time last summer uh, on Friday nights. And we're just going to walk around and talk to people and ask them if we can pray for them and we just put out an, an all call to our church members and every week we would have, and we're still doing it. We took a break for winter, but we started up again. We'll have at least a dozen people from our church out there and we'll pair off 
and I'll put ex- inexperienced people with experienced people mm. who are comfortable, uh, you know, sharing the gospel. And we'll just go out and ask people if we can pray for them. And what's cool about that is that, you know, when we started, we only had three or four people who are comfortable. Now we've got about 20 people in our church who I could put somebody with and they're confident to go share the gospel and lead a team. Um, and then fourth thing I would say is share stories. Um, you can't do this one unless you're doing the, the previous three. <laughs> uh, you're not going to have stories if you're not sharing the gospel. Uh, but once you do share stories with your, uh, congregation, um, like share them from the front on Sunday mornings and sermon illustrations, or maybe have one of your church members who's been sharing the gospel, have them test, do a testimony one Sunday, uh, just to encourage your other church members so that it's not just coming from you, the pastor, but it's coming from other people in your church so that people can see, Oh, this isn't just what pastors do. Yeah. We're all called to do this. Right. Um, I think, I think connected to that, not to interrupt, but connected yeah. to that has to be, uh, the baptism testimony of the, the person who's been born again, you know, they'll often attribute their faith in Christ to the boldness of a, of a believer. And I know in our own church, um, it's always, it's like the most powerful fuel for evangelistic fervor in our church. When a, a new Christian from the baptismal waters says, so-and-so pursued me, shared the gospel with me. I kept, you know, I kept, I kept him at arm's length and eventually the Lord used that in my life um, for his, for his good. It's just so incredible to, to hear that as a testimony uh, from, from somebody from baptism. Yeah, that's definitely, I actually, you know, had thought about that as well. It's one of the ways that we've tried to share those stories. Um, every time somebody's baptized, we ask them to share their testimony. And oftentimes, especially if they, you know, got saved out of the harvest, which is, that's kind of the phrase we use out of the harvest, like meaning we, we go out into the community and share the gospel with unchurched people. Uh, so uh, the last, the last thing I'd say, just as far as like helping equip your church members uh, and making this a part of the culture is just make it an expectation in your church. Um, so in other words, kind of like what I was saying earlier, like, I think when you teach on evangelism, um, when you think about discipleship, like one of the things we always try to emphasize is that this is what Christians do. Yeah. You know, this is like discipleship is fishing for men. And so like, this is a part of what it means to be discipled. So we, we say for our membership process, we want every single one of our members to be in a personal discipleship relationship. And so we've got you know, a system for that where we pair up every single church member with another believer who can help them grow. And part of what we ask our disciple makers to do in the in their discipleship relationships is to take their disciples with them into the harvest. Mm. It's just a part of what we do. It's a part of our rhythm. It's an expectation. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's really helpful and good. And it, the, the funny thing about those is nothing you said is rocket science. Like that's all like those are all things that we are attainable for all of us. They're, they're not specialized skills. They're things we can do. And as you look back at, at what's happened at pillar DC and even what happened at fellowship, um, you're, you're saying these are the kinds of things that lead to a culture like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, that's the reason that we're, we're seeing fruit over the past Mm -hmm. 18 months. It's, it's nothing, you know, it's, 
it's nothing we're doing. It's nothing special we're doing. Like it, it really isn't. It's just like the old hymn goes, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Mm-hmm. When we do that, we're going to see fruit that brings great joy uh, to our lives and to our church. And like, man, just there's so many stories I could tell you just over the past month about, you know, some amazing evangelism counters that, that members of our church are having. And uh, it's been pretty exciting. Yeah, that's good. Um, two, two more thoughts. One, your wife, uh, when I, you guys are dynamic team, uh, you, you at the stage, you, you're about to bring in some kids into your household, you're adopting three kids, but uh, up to now, you've not had any children and you two have been, you know, able to focus virtually full-time energy on, on your missionary work over the past few years. And that's been really powerful. But I, I would suspect you'd say, in my observation, your wife is that she's a bit more of a natural evangelist than you. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. And so what, um, what is, what is your dynamic? I mean, most of us probably don't have wives that are given to naturally to evangelism. What's your relationship with Jen and you guys common effort as a husband or wife team to go out and share the gospel been like, and how's that blessed you? Man, uh, I love my wife very much. <laughs> she is amazing. She's such an encouragement to me and she challenges me. I will say like, so Jen's not an extrovert. So like for those that don't know her, like she's not one of these outgoing gregarious personalities. She's very reserved. And I actually, one of the, when we were dating, one of the first things she asked me to pray for, uh, for her was for boldness because it was actually me that initially challenged her that she realized she didn't have any relationships with lost people. And so, but it's almost like she, she ended up just like surpassing me, you know, once I started, you know, praying for her about that, I've just watched her grow in her boldness over the past several years. And, um, I think for Jen, she just, she just has become fearless. Um, and she's constantly like remind, like Jared, we need to go out this week. We haven't gone out. We haven't been in the harvest. You know, we need to share the gospel. Uh, and she's bold when she shares, she's very clear, um, uh, about sin and the need for righteousness and coming judgment. Um, she does not, you know, like uh, sugarcoat those things, but she, she, she does it in a very compassionate way. Uh, and she just really loves lost people, uh, it's, which is something you can't manufacture. Um, she has a genuine love for other people. Um, so yeah, uh, that's been encouraging to me. And so I feel like we're constantly in it together Um, it's not something I'm doing on my own. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention is, um, so you have, I know you've done this, uh, for my church and I know you've done it for your church and I've seen you do this for some other churches that you, um, you'll help a church that asks you for help in terms of equipping their members. Um, so what's that usually look like? I don't want to get you bombarded with sort of requests for that, but I know that you have a desire to help other churches become fruitful in this area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, generally what we do is like, we'll go and, um, in the past and we'll help give churches some tools, some easily reproducible tools that they can teach to their church members. Um, and I think that's helpful, but uh, honestly, man, like, at the end of the day, kind of what we've been talking about, the most helpful thing is uh, that we'll do like when we do one of those trainings is we actually take the people out with us in the harvest. We get, okay, we're going to give you some tools. We're going to talk about this for a couple hours. We'll do some role playing and kind of help you, you know, think through like how to start gospel conversations, 
um, you know, things like that. But then we actually take people into the harvest with us and go, okay, now we're going to go do it. We're going to go put into practice what we just talked about because most Christians have never actually done that. Most Christians have never actually gone and shared the gospel uh, with strangers before. Um, And man, I get, I hear a lot of pushback on that. Um, you know, uh, doesn't, you know, you know, cold evangelism doesn't work. Door knocking doesn't work. Well, I've got a list, I've got a laundry list of fruit I can point to, to tell you that you're wrong, uh, because we've just seen it over and over again. And we're, we're not, we're not trying to bat for a high batting average when it comes to, we're not like trying to find what's the highest percentage approach we can do. We want to share the gospel as, as broadly and widely as we possibly can, so that as many people can hear as possible, because we're looking for where the spirit of God is already at work. And then it's mm. God who gives the growth. Man. That's what we're looking for. We're not trying to like, you know, yeah, I, that's, so that's why we, and I found that whenever you, whenever you can get people out of their comfort zones to go do something like that, like actually go out and start a conversation with an unchurched person, it makes it much more likely that they're going to have gospel conversations with their existing relationships, mm-hmm. like their coworkers, their neighbors, et cetera. And that's what we're seeing happen in our church. Yeah. Um, so we've got gospel and grub in our calendar. We'll take our disciples with us into the harvest. We've got that in our calendar, but then throughout the week I'll have, you know, we've got a WhatsApp group for our men's group and a couple times a week, one of the guys, members in our church will go, Hey, just talk to this person, share the gospel with my family members, share the gospel, with my neighbor, be praying for them. And that's just a normal thing now That's awesome uh, for us. So, yeah, so good. Also, uh, Pillar DC has done this really cool thing. Uh, they have put together a website called On Mission DC. You can uh, visit the website at onmissiondc.com. And on there, um, you could you could actually bring your team on a mission trip uh, as COVID kind of relaxes uh, in a at a time in the future. And they've got a, a really, you know, kind of systematized program there. But in, in that work, you'll learn some personal evangelism, get to do some personal evangelism in the nation's capital. And so anything you want to say about On Mission DC and how people could interact with that? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um probably a couple of things we need to update on the website, by the way, but it still is a really good resource and a way you can plan a trip up here. Um, and I'll just say this, like if, if you want to bring a mission team here, uh, you're not going to be like, you know, painting houses and doing stuff like that. Most likely you're going to be in the harvest sharing the gospel. So if you don't want to share the gospel, you probably, probably shouldn't come on a trip with us. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Uh, but there are some other play, uh, mission trips you can come on and do that kind of stuff. But this is one that's going to grow your people in a really yeah. incredible way. And so uh, check that out on missiondc.com. And uh, Jared, you're inspirational. Uh, love you and your wife. And so thankful to be in network with you and our family of churches, but also just to know you as a brother in Christ. You challenged me. And so thanks so much. Yeah, brother. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Michael Crawford's new book called Don't Plant, Be Planted, Contrarian Observations About Starting a Church is out now. You can find it anywhere books are sold. And if you pick it up, you should be prepared to hear some sound and hard advice from an experienced church planter about the joys and sorrows and victories and defeats that come with this huge task of planting a new church. Now, Mike Crawford is a veteran. He's a practitioner. He's been out there planting a church in a hard city called Baltimore, Maryland. 
and uh, he's gotten the church started. It's thriving and it's multiplied and you need to read this book. He um, shares some very direct and heartfelt um, observations about church planting in a no holds barred kind of way. It's a short read. It's an easy read. I encourage you to pick it up. It's called Don't Plant, Be Planted and you can find it anywhere books are sold. Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Josh Taransky produced today's show. Nick Bashain was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last... But not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. If you'd like more information about our show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so be sure to check us out on the social. And tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.